even if you just go outside and you're not necessarily doing anything outdoorsy or special, like even if you are just doing your normal lesson outside, your workbook, your read aloud, whatever it may be, your art project, the benefits of attention, motivation, and engagement last into the next lesson. So even if you go back inside and you did that one thing outside, all those boosts in attention, engagement, and motivation last into the next lesson. That's Rachel Titt, homeschool mom and creator of Wild Math Curriculum. Let's head to the Finger Lakes region of New York State to find out how you can take your math outside. Grab a seat by the fire. This is the Homeschool Project Podcast. Okay, Rachel Tidd, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? We're doing good. We did a little uh, talking before we just started, so (laughs) got to know each other a little bit. We did. But uh, you and your family are the creators of the Wild Math Curriculum, right? We certainly are. (laughs) So we wanted to have you on today and talk a little bit about that. And we usually start off with an introduction. If you could just talk a little bit about yourself, your family, and just touch on your curriculum, because we'll get into that a little bit later. Sure. So my name is Rachel Tidd. I'm the writer and creator of Wild Math Curriculum. Um, It's an all outside, mostly, curriculum to do... um, math in grades K through five, and it covers all the typical skills you would see in any other math curriculum. I have just kind of translated them into um, outdoor activities. Um, We live outside of Ithaca in the Finger Lakes region of upstate New York. We have lots of lakes and waterfalls and forests. We live in a log house in the middle of the forest, which is why on a lot of my social media posts, I'm always like, I don't have any pavement to draw on, but this would be a great thing for chalk. And then we just write on our porch instead. Um, But we love where we live um, and we love being outside. So this kind of seemed like a kind of naturally came out of our homeschooling journey. A log cabin. I love it. My parents live in a log cabin too. It was my dad's dream and he, he finally got it for their retirement stage. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. We moved here about six years ago. My husband fell in love with it. We like it. It's great. It's, it's something different. It's super cozy. So as far as your educational background, can you touch on that you and your husband's? Cause that's kind of interesting as well. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, um, Both my husband and I went to the SUNY College of Environmental Science and Forestry. So we were both super sciencey, environmental type people. Um, I ended up getting a degree in environmental analysis with a heavy emphasis on chemistry. And my husband um, got environmental studies and went on to study um, environmental science and policy at Columbia University. And I went on, decided I wanted to do more education and got my master's from Bank Street College of Education in New York City, which is a pretty progressive teaching college. Um, And I got a dual degree in special and general education grades one through six. And then I went on and got two more certificates for special and general grade for early education. So birth to grade two. Then I was a teacher for a couple, quite a few years, uh, mostly special ed in elementary school. Um, 
I, two years ago, I kind of did a little bit of first grade. I had a special position in a local school where I, I taught like half time and that was a kind of a fun experience, but we've been homeschooling our kids since the beginning. And how old are your kids? Uh, I have two boys, Finn and Taro, and Finn is 10 and a half and Taro is seven. But can you share why you guys decided to homeschool? Yeah, so I have two very different kids. (laughs) So like um, the original reason, you know, for one kid, our oldest Finn was super, super advanced. So much so that the school, the local school district actually told me it would be a waste of time to send him to pre-K. And as a teacher, I was like, well, you really shouldn't be saying that to me. Number one. Number two, (laughs) um, as a teacher, I kind of knew at heart that that was probably true. And I never meant to be a homeschooler. I mean, I was a public school educator, but I knew that my child would be bored to tears and I didn't necessarily want to like throw him into a kindergarten or a first grade at the time. So I was already home and I was a teacher. <laughs> so it kind of seemed like, okay, <laughs> we'll just keep doing what we've been doing. And then my second son, who is just, they're just like completely different personalities and different learners and different strengths. My second son really struggled with a lot of sensory stuff, a lot of like attention and like behavior things. They both went to our local all outdoor forest preschool here in Ithaca and loved it for totally different reasons. When my youngest was aging, like aging out of forest preschool, I panicked a little bit. I knew like he had been evaluated by our school district and was getting some services for occupational therapy for those sensory issues. And when they had talked to his teachers um, there during the evaluation at the all outdoor preschool, the the teachers kind of thought they were nuts. They thought I was nuts. Like all the questions were like nuts. And I really dug into that. And it was because they didn't see those behaviors or issues or learning challenges in their setting. So Ah. what we found, what the occupational therapist found was that that outdoor setting was meeting all of his sensory needs and enabling him to function in, in learn in, you know, like anyone else, which was not what we were seeing in other settings. So it really kind of, as a special education teacher uh, myself, um, that was like really like eye-opening. And so for that child, <laughs> totally different reason. He was very lucky we were already homeschooling my eldest, right? I mean, they both went to this preschool, right? But it was all outdoors, very play-based. Wow. So I said, oh, now, well, I have a very different learner here. And he's not going to obviously do well in a classroom. Our local school has about 20 minutes of recess outside. That's it that's not going to work for him. He's a mover. He's a shaker. He's got to be hands-on. He needs a lot of repetition. He has some probable learning disabilities. He's very smart, but it's hard to get to that sometimes. So I, I, I started kind of like, well, I obviously need to continue this outdoor learning and education for him in some way. Otherwise, you know, that's what's working for him. and, And there's nothing out there. There's at least, there are a few in our, in our country, in the United States, like elementary schools with like a heavy outdoor emphasis, but there are not any here. So I knew I had to do something for him. And so I started experimenting. I had to, you know, you have to do some academics at some point. So 
I found some things for literacy, you know, and lots of science, but nothing for math, nothing. And so I just started doing more of it. And I had a friend say, Rachel, and I'm so thankful, Rachel, you need to write this down for other people. Like, this is awesome. You need to write this down. And I'm so glad she said that and pushed me because I'm like, no, I don't type for that. I'm like, what are you talking about? Um, I'm trying to homeschool. You know, like I can't, I don't need one more thing on my plate, but I did. And that's how it started. And it's kind of just grown from, from there. So, well, first I want to say your friend is absolutely right. When I found your curriculum, I told Nathan, I was like, we have to interview this, this girl. Like, this is amazing. I never knew that math could exist in this capacity. And it, I think it's amazing. And then second of all, with the forest school, we interviewed um, a forest school in Australia. And that interview has just like sparked a whole nother interest in our view of learning and the whole philosophy. And we like you wish so bad that we had one locally and there's not one at all around us. <laughs> Just Yeah, it's so hard. I mean, one of the reasons, I mean, one of the reasons we moved to Ithaca was A, it has a large homeschool population um, and B, it has, has these like this forest preschool and now it has a couple, but it has like a, we have a homeschool outdoor program in the same, like by the same people, but it's like only one day, you know? So it's not like, and it's not like touching upon math, right? Not in any significant way. But yeah, no, I appreciate that. Thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, I was, it's, it's a hard, I'm trying to bridge the all outdoor forest school. But, you know, in reality, I also, as a teacher, know that my kids have to learn math and <laughs> other skills. And, you know, it's hard to balance both of those, right? So that was my, wild math was my attempt to kind of bridge that. Well, that's, that's the way she mentioned the, us interviewing the forest school. It was funny because we, you know, it was a big leap for any, for us and anybody to start homeschooling. Like it's a giant leap. It is. And so we thought we did this huge thing, which it was. <laughs> But totally. once we started digging into it a little bit more, and honestly, once we talked to that forest school, uh, Nikki from the forest school over in Australia, we realized that we were just scratching the surface. We were basically schooling at home. <laughs> right. Right. With some, you know, you sit at the table and we go, we, we'd spend a ton of time outside. But once we realized how much that they could learn outdoors is when everything just started really changing for us. And it got to be exciting mm -hmm. yeah. because our son sounds very much like your second son. Yeah. That kid cannot sit in a classroom. And it's a big reason why we started doing this was we looked at him and said, there's no way that in the next two years he goes to school and we're not getting phone calls like every day. Right. I, I always say that. I always say that. It's like when I'm at my like wits end. <laughs> It does happen. You know, my husband would be like, gosh, you know, should we send him to school? I'm like, honey, we would get so we would be in that school so much. Like there'd be so many phone calls. It would not be any easier. And then we would have the homework fights and, you know, all of that. So just getting all of his stuff, you know, like organized, you know, so I don't, you know, it's, it's hard either way when you have a, a child that's a little bit out of the box, you know? So, but yeah, I totally agree. And our school, like I said, is 20 minutes of outside recess. Like for that, my child goes outside 
within 15 minutes of eating breakfast, like he's out, especially in, you know, the summer. It's, he, he just lives and breathes. He's so much better outside. He just feels whole. Mm-hmm. You know? Sure. Well, we're the, I'm the same way. We're the <laughs> same way. So I don't blame them for being that way. Mm-hmm. And especially when you're a kid, but like she said, oh, well, one of my things growing up was math. I despised math. <laughs> like, I don't know if there was, a, there was a stronger word than hate, I would use it. And I've said this in other, other episodes we've done. And it was all because of the way it was taught. Right. I and agree. that's when we found when she saw yours and she said, Hey, Nathan, check this out. This is really cool. And um, we'd already started school and gotten a curriculum. I so, so I, I looked at it and I said, well, th- this is what I needed. And this is what our, this is what our kids need because yeah. they, they do struggle with math and they get very frustrated with it the way that it's taught. And yes. when we saw what you're doing, it's like this, this is how you build a base without developing hatred for, <laughs> for the subject. Right. Right. Well, you know, I, I was not a good math student. That's what's like kind of ironic. I moved a lot as a kid and I never was in one school longer than like six months or so. So I like, it was before the common core. I mean, one good thing about the common core is you can go from school to school and they're doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. That was not true. When I was a kid, you could go to one school and they were doing one mm-hmm. curriculum. You go to the next, they were on a different unit in a completely different curriculum. Um, so you missed a lot of stuff. I didn't start liking math until I started teaching it. And I started teaching a lot of the newer ways that they're teaching math. And it made so much more sense to me than like the strict procedures, like for long division, like there are more than one way, you know, we all learn long division one way, but there are other ways to do long division that aren't so procedure based and focused on getting like the right, as close as you can to that number. You know, it's more about estimating and getting close enough and then keep going and it's a few more steps but it's not as stringent and laborious you know like it's just so much makes more sense in the whole like working with 10 frames and all kinds of stuff just helps build kids number sense their knowledge of how to use and think about numbers flexibly flexibly Um, and that's what we want our kids to do we don't need them to be human calculators we have calculators now in our pockets if we want to be to get the exact answer every single time, you know, but we want them to be able to think about and use those numbers. So that's why I like doing math now, because it's just a little bit more flexible. And it's more about, you know, using and and changing and manipulating numbers in different ways. How did you manage to get through a heavy (laughs) dose of chemistry courses, not liking math? I know, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> I I made it through. Um, I actually would have had a full, I would have done the chemistry degree, but they, they didn't like, I was getting really sick, sick of six hour labs, number one. And number two, they wouldn't let me study abroad. So I was like, I'm done. <laughs> but <laughs> I made it all the way to the junior year. Um, yeah, I did pretty okay. I did okay. I did terrible (laughs) (laughs) in calculus one and two. I mean, I did, I didn't do well. Let's be honest there, but I could do the chemistry part. And most of chemistry isn't, there isn't a ton of math. I mean, they're like organic chemistry doesn't have a ton of math. Uh, The math you do have, you're allowed to use calculators, you know, you use a lot of like computer programs and stuff. I mean, you do the math, but Physics was harder, but 
Yeah, yeah, that is a lot of math. And of course, I am blessed with a child who loves physics. My oldest is obsessed. Does he love chemistry? No, but he loves physics. Cool. <laughs> I was going to ask if, if math was not your favorite subject, and out of all the subjects that you could have created a curriculum, why was it math? Was it because you didn't find anything <laughs> out there that you could apply to the outdoors? Yeah, um, well, you know, in my, my homeschool thing is that I focus on the very basics with my kids and everything else just happens. So the things I focus mainly on when they're youngest are reading in mm -hmm. math. And when, now that my oldest is, you know, he's a very good, he's always been a good reader. So it was always writing for him and math. So I could always do the, the, the reading and the writing is very easy to integrate, right. Um, into everything. It's just so easy, you know, whether you're doing nature study and you're writing about this or you're you know, reading books out, you know, out loud, there's just, it's so much easier to do as a homeschooler, yeah. but the math is everybody's like, Oh, how do we integrate the math? How do we make it fun? What, you know, I want to, I don't want to do a workbook. Who wants to do work pages, workbook pages? I don't, you know, I don't. So I was like, well, there's nothing out there. So I I'm going to have to make my own thing. And I've got this kid that learns best outside, you know, how can I make it like forest preschool, but math? Mm -hmm. So that's how it started. I mean, you know, you don't have to be good at math to do elementary math. And I think that's where a lot of us kind of like, I get a lot of emails about, you know, people that are really nervous about teaching kindergarten math. And I think it's really just our math anxiety left over from higher level math. Cause really you, you know, you, you've been teaching your math, your child math all along. You've taught them shapes and numbers and that's all kindergarten math is. It's counting to a hundred. Can you count to a hundred? You can do it, you know, like, <laughs> Basic addition to five, two plus three, I mean, start small and you can just go with your child and learn each grade as you go. That's kind of what I've done. I mean, when I wrote fifth grade for wild math, I had to like dive deep into fractions. It was like, cause I really, really, I could do, you know, my, like most of us that learned math, I could do the, the process, right? I could multiply by the reciprocal and you know, that, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I couldn't show that in a hands-on visual way. Right. You know, I had to really, I just learned the process. I didn't, in the procedure, I did not know really what I was doing. Um, and most people don't. And in doing a lot of research, most teachers don't because it was very hard to find explanations of what you were really doing and why you multiply that by the reciprocal and all that, you know, and how do you show multiplying fractions in a visual way that makes sense. And so it was really eye-opening that, you know, you really got to have the understanding behind it and you can, anyone can learn any process, but it doesn't mean you have any understanding of what you're doing, you know, mm -hmm. um, and the value of the math kind of goes away if all you're doing is memorizing the process. There's actually um, an article that I read by Dr. Joe Bowler. She's a professor of mathematics education, and it was titled Fluency Without Fear, Research Evidence on Best Ways to Learn Math Facts. And basically, like throughout the article, it states that research shows that number sense is the foundation. And she went on to say that, quote, research tells us that the best mathematics 
classrooms are those in which students learn number facts and number sense through engaging activities that focus on mathematical understanding rather than rote memorization, which is basically what you just said. Like that number sense, that foundation is what's crucial. When you're playing with numbers and you're looking at, you know, 13 and you can say, see that that is a 10 and a three, um, that kind of manipulation is like what you want kids to be doing. And it's not how we were taught. And that's where like the things like 10 frames come in and um, subitizing when you look at a set, like we do it all the time, but we don't even think about it. When you look at like a, a, di a dice, you know, when you look at like five wow. numbers or the six, you know, you can picture that in your brain. You know what that looks like when I say that because you are subitizing. You are not counting one, two, three, four, five, six, right? Mm -hmm. We don't want to see our kids doing that. We want them to see a set or see like, if you had, you know, eight, you would see a five in a group of three. And you know that's eight because you are putting that together in your brain. Right. Um, that's the kind of number sense that you want your kids to have. And it's very easy to do outside, right? With acorns or pine, pine cones, I almost said pineapples. They don't grow around here, but they do grow in Hawaii. So if you have any, you can do that. That's um, right. <laughs> I don't. Pineapples may work. Yeah. yeah, regular apples. We've got plenty of those. Yeah, so there's so it's just so easy to do. And it, when you have concrete things to start with, you should always start with the concrete manipulatives. And, you know, we in schools, what they do is they use, you know, plastic manipulatives, which I have plenty of. And I, I even bring them outside and there's nothing wrong with them, but um, they are an investment, especially as a homeschooler, when uh, we have plenty of rocks outside for free. So, um, and you can collect them on your various walks or we take things home from vacations like seashells and things. Those work just as well. And there is a little bit of research out there that shows uh, using real objects is actually makes better connections. I'm not really sure why or how that works, but there is a little bit of research showing that. So, Our son did that today, actually. We were out <laughs> on the porch and we have a, like a, a wasp problem right now. And so we have a, a, a trap. And he said, look, we have 14, we have 14 dead wasps and one um, yellow jacket. And we, he's, you know, we had him do the math <laughs> with, like, right? with, with dead insects. It, it works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And, you know, on the fluency piece in uh, wild mass math first grade, I talk a lot about the fluency piece. And I, and when I say um, that kids should be fluent in their math facts, I don't mean that they're sitting down with flashcards and memorizing them. I mean that reasonably within say three seconds that they can either know the answer because you will eventually memorize them like we know five plus five is ten right mm -hmm. um but they can either use a strategy some kind of a strategy or whatever they decide how they're figuring out the answer fluently enough that within three seconds they can give you an answer so that's what i mean by fluency um, it's not rote memorization by any means, but you're practicing them enough that, and I go through some strategies, you know, like I was just, it reminded me because you were saying four, 14 plus, plus one, right? Mm -hmm. So plus one yes. is a strategy. It's one of the first strategies you learn. All your plus one facts, right? He's doing so, that right now. Yes. So it was yeah, a perfect yeah. outdoor activity when he was 14. Plus right. Five. And it, it's surprising how much it comes up. And, you know, as parents too, we always 
as a society, we focus on, um, on, on reading. How many times have we pointed out letters in words and the alphabet and we sing the alphabet song and all that, you know, what does your name start with? What does that start with? What is that store called? All that, right? Mm -hmm. But we very rarely focus on counting and math or pointing out shapes as much. It's just the emphasis is not there and it's not less important really, but it's culturally just not something that we, we do. And, and some experts say that we should, we should be equally counting stairs when we go up them with our kids and, you know, at, at young ages and that kind of thing. Uh, so it's food for thought, you know, it is kind yeah. of our perception. Yeah. Then they, they have more, they'll make more of that connection to the real world. Like math really is all around. It totally is. It absolutely is. But can, so can we go back a little and then can you explain for anybody that maybe has never heard of wild math, a little bit about your curriculum and how it works? Sure. So, so wild math is mostly outdoor curriculum. I say mostly um, because you could do some of the activities inside and people have, I've heard from a lot of people affected by the wildflower wildfires this year, doing things inside because um, you have to, sometimes the weather is downright dangerous or the air is dangerous or there's a pandemic going on. There's a lot of things that could go wrong. So I, you know, you can be flexible, but um, generally it's meant to be done outside. You, you know, kids could be learning fractions with mud pies. They could be doing math fact scavenger hunts. I love to do that. You can be doing number lines. There's a lot with chalk on different services, surfaces math themed nature walks. And when I say outside, I don't necessarily mean that you need to live in a place like I live, you know, out in the country, in the woods. Uh, it doesn't have to be a pristine natural environment in the city. I mean, in New York City, I know, I know it's possible. You can go to a park, you can do this on your stoop, you can do it on your patio, you can do it in any outdoor space. It doesn't really matter. You can go to a zoo, you can go to a botanical garden, you can go to a pocket park. There's a lot you can do on a sidewalk. You know, I don't want people to think that, oh, I live in the city, so I can't do it. There's a lot of, actually, there's some things where I say you have to go to the city or to a town to do um, a lot of the geometry things, like going for a walk and looking for octagons or right angles mm -hmm. are a lot more interesting if you're in um, a town or a city or circles, they're really fun to find. There's just so many more of them. You can find them in nature, absolutely. But in, and sometimes I'd say do both and compare what you find. The other thing that's easier to find in the city is decimals and big numbers. So there's, there's pros and cons to both. And most of us have access to both um, kind of, you know, environments. So use them to our mathematical advantage. But that's the kind of activities, place value with bundles of 10 sticks instead of those plastic 10 bar things. Yes. <laughs> it's just more concrete, right? And mm -hmm. most everything is optional. I give, a, it's basically every skill is listed for every single grade. And there are activities to teach or practice that skill for that grade. And as you go in the higher grades, like the fractions in fifth grade, there's a lot more how to introduce that and teach that. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot less of that in kindergarten because it's kind of hard to explain how to count to 100. Um, it's just something we know how to do. Mm -hmm. So I get, there's 
you know, there's people that are, I wish it was more planned out. There is a planning sheet for you and a suggested way to go through it, mm -hmm. but it's not planned out. I might do a little bit of that for people in the future. I'm very torn um, because I really want it to be for your child um, and not some artificial thing from my brain that might not be applicable to your child at all. Some kids go really fast through math. Some kids need a lot of repetition and maybe they just need a lot of repetition in one unit. Um, I can't do that for you. You know, or maybe your kid hates this one activity or they hate chalk. So you can choose not to do any of those, you know? So if I spend all my time planning it out for you, it's, it's kind of, you'll follow it for a month and then, I don't know. I get a lot of emails about it. So that's why I wanted to mention that. <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, a lot, you know, and it's a lot of, you know, new homeschoolers, which mm -hmm. I, we've all been there in just like you, you're schooling at home, you want it planned out, you yeah. want to open go. I understand that, but that's not going to last. Um, so there's basically a couple other elements. So instead of worksheets, there aren't really any worksheets. I'm a real advocate of board games to learn math facts, especially to practice them in a fun, more fun way is I, every chapter has a list of board games and um, every chapter has a list of picture books because they're just a great easy way to kind of integrate math into your day, your week. I usually recommend doing some of the math activities, like one math activity a couple times a week, any more, and it can kind of burn you out. <laughs> and, and then you interplay with those planned activities, you interplay a board game, math book, you know, so it. you're still doing math. And I kind of, especially when my kids are were younger or are younger, um, I give them a choice of, of things to do often. So I said, do you want to do this activity outside or do you want to play a board game today? Mm -hmm. You know, to kind of put that element they're both math. So yeah, you know, I'm, not, I'm not okay with either one, but it and gives feel, them a little bit more. I'm choice. sorry. I was going to say, and I feel like it helps keep that passion alive too. Like they're not being forced to do something that they don't want to. And then they'll connect right. math with this. I'm being forced to do it. Yeah. And there's also, I recommend like a little bag of goodies to kind of carry around with you. So if you're a family that's out and about a lot, it sometimes can be good to read over the chapter that you're working on. And then you can kind of spontaneously when you're out, I, I mean, it happens to us all the time, like look at all these awesome acorns. And then the kids are just like playing with all the acorns. And then they, you know, it moves on to like, let's make this like a, a trade. And then we like make it a currency and then things are worth different amount, you know, and it can spiral on. Mm -hmm. Or um, sometimes we'll see like this giant tree you know, we'll, there's like a old growth forest near us. And we were hiking down there. We're like, wow, look at this giant tree and like wonder how big it is. Well, one of the things in our little math to go kit is a big measuring tape so that we could literally capitalize on that moment and measure that tree. Right. Um, so it's things like that, that you can just pull out and be like, oh, well, let's figure that out. Like right now, you know, mm -hmm. um, if you do a little reading ahead, that can be a great way to capitalize it. And then, you know, that math box for the day is checked off. But. Yeah, I was going to say, you were talking about currency. And um, again, 
being coming across your curriculum, I was inspired, even though, again, since we had already gotten a different one for this year, we're trying to incorporate it as I've followed you on Instagram with more nature stuff. And we were outside the other day playing in the backyard and our son wanted to set up a little cafe in the soccer net and outdoor cafe. And he wanted to sell me stuff. So then I was like, you know what? We're going to make currency out of different types of leaves. And so that's how we did it. He was all about the math because he didn't see it as learning. Oh yeah, they love it. And the kids love to play store and they love to play bakery. I I put that in a lot because kids like, my kids are always doing that naturally. So you can slip in like I'm doing a pizza order and I want one quarter flowers and I want the one third rocks, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and you can sneak it in because they always want you to play with them with that kind of thing because they need a customer. Um, (laughs) you know, but, um, it's a, it's a great way to integrate it. So you did bring up a good point though. So there are two ways to use wild math. You can use it as a standalone math curriculum. It does cover everything you need. I even have a lot of schools that use it, but you can use it with a more traditional curriculum. You just match the unit with whatever unit or skill that you're doing. So they're usually pretty close. Some people like to make like one day a week, their wild math day or their naturey day. And that's, and they plan, you know, one math activity for that, that day, that week. Um, And that's how they use it. Other people like to just get a cheap workbook. They, you know, whether they're, some kids like workbooks, I have one that does, one that doesn't, you know, whatever. And whatever kids want to do, that's, you know, it's fine. And you're going to say no to a kid that wants to do workbooks. No, go ahead. (laughs) then that's fine. So if that works for you or your family and you need a workbook or your child needs more practice and you feel like that's working for them, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you gotta, every kid is very different and I really, really feel strongly that you should do what works for your kid and your family. So don't feel like you're failing in wild math. You know, I have a wild math group and there's a lot of talk in there about well, I shouldn't be using a workbook or can I use a workbook or, you know, yes, you can. If that's working for you, don't throw it in the trash. Keep going, you know, mm-hmm. just, you know, how to do you know something outside once in a while. I don't know. And, and it, even if you don't end up doing something outside, that's fine too. I mean, we really just want our children to learn math or whatever we're trying to, to teach that day. Right. You know, we got to give ourselves more, more grace in this journey. I feel like, <laughs> Well, I think, I think what we've found in homeschooling is there's people who get locked into like a specific type of homeschooling, whether it's unschooling or wild schooling and things like that. And they think that if they veer away from it at all, then they're doing something wrong. But I think, I think most of us could agree that you can sprinkle a little bit of all this stuff together and it's whatever ends up working for you. And you, cause every, like you said, both your kids are different. So our, our three kids are completely different from each other. They're not going to learn the same. So we can't use one thing that's going to work for the next. And it's kind of just a, a mix of the different things that we've learned so far from everybody that we talked to. Yeah, no, it's very true. You know, and I, I pull from a lot of different things. I used to be really into um, Montessori when my youngest was very young. Um, and there's a lot of great things I love about Montessori. And I, you know, I, I've integrated it into like 
I'm writing a new curriculum right now, <laughs> um, <Ooh. laughs> um, a literacy curriculum, and um, I'm integrating a lot of those ideas. And we also are um, heavily influenced by Waldorf because we have a lot of Waldorf programs my kids are in here, you know, and a lot of those ideas are really great too, but I'm not into the whole dogma of like, it, there's no one philosophy that's going to work best for, I know for my child. So, and it's really great to pull from everything and just take the best for what, what works, you know, for that day even and integrate that. And I think that's the best way to go. I, I think we get stuck in that kind of like identity of like, well, I'm a Charlotte Mason homeschooler or I'm an unschooler or, you know, you can be, you don't have to be anything. You can just do what's best for you and, or your child really. Well, I wanted to ask, cause I know that you said that your youngest, this learning outdoors was a great fit for him. Can you speak on like the importance of learning in the outdoors and the benefits you've seen on both your kids? Cause maybe, especially your older kid who not necessarily, he didn't really need that, but maybe you saw that yeah. anyways. Yeah, no, he, you know, he didn't need it like my youngest, but he loves it. And he built, he was a really shy kid and his confidence really grew learning and being outside and being in outdoor programs. And he became uh, like so much more social and just confident because he had these new skills that he felt like he could do. They did a lot of building fires or learning. We use a lot of knives here. It's very dangerous. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot of fire building and knife building and fort building and shelter building and Danger yeah you know so, <laughs> so you know and that just gave him so much confidence and you know it helped him make friends but in general you know there's a lot of new studies coming out about outdoor education and mm -hmm. its benefits and some of it's super interesting so I mean we know that Learning outside boosts your mood. It can help kids that are really suffering from anxiety, can help them calm down. We know, obviously, from my child's experience that it can help sensory difficulties because going outside is super multi-sensory in its own. You're feeling the wind, you're feeling the sun, there's the temperature, you're touching the ground, you're touching the textures. There's automatically a little bit more flexibility. You can move more and it's okay. You can be louder and it's okay. Where if you're in a classroom or even your living room, a lot of those things are kind of like, you're too loud, you're jumping around, you can't <laughs> climb this. You know, automatically we're tamping down all of those wanting to meet those sensory needs or other needs for movement, you know, or I'm trying to regulate my body to pay attention. So already just stepping outside, you're getting, you're meeting all of that, a lot more of that, just, just by going outside. There's a lot of research about, even if you just go outside and you're not necessarily doing anything outdoorsy or special, like even if you were just doing your normal lesson, outside your workbook, your read aloud, whatever it may be, your art project, the benefits of attention, motivation, and engagement last into the next lesson. So even if you go back inside and you did that one thing outside, all those boosts in attention and engagement and motivation last into the next lesson. So that's the newest research. I just think that's so amazing. So you're like getting a double 
a double whammy there, right? Mm -hmm. You do one thing, you make the effort one time and you get twice as much. And it doesn't, it's just literally by going outside. It, 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 the research wasn't even doing anything special. It wouldn't even be like learning fractions with mud pies. It was literally doing the same thing in a different place outside. When anytime that um, our, mid, our middle starts to get antsy, I'm like, okay, go outside, go find, you know, sticks or go find leaves because it, it does come to math and we're doing a pretty gentle math. But even then I, I've started tr transition again to more natural elements for him to use and even for him to go hunt and search for them. And then next thing I know, he's out there for 20 minutes on the hunt doing, I don't know what, but I don't care. He's getting that energy out. And when he comes back, right. he's like ready to roll again, you know? Right. Yeah. It's, it's an amazing well, and he, you know, and that was active. He's thinking about, I need to get so many leaves or, you know, and like, where are they? And yep. there's a lot, you know, a lot firing there in his brain as he's doing that and he's moving. And when he comes back to whatever you, it is that you're asking him to do, you know, he's going to be a lot more ready and able to do that. Plus he had some investment in those materials, right? So it's, it's nice to have, you know, instead of me getting out these plastic cubes that mean nothing it's like yeah. well these are the acorns i gathered yesterday these are the rocks i found at the at the lake you know or these are my seashells for my favorite vacation <laughs> like i or in kids love to play with flowers too or petals like anything mm -hmm. like that you know pumpkins apples it, you know it all can change squash yeah, we know our son, our son tore through our entire garden uh, yesterday and ripped up a bunch of flowers and, and veggies out of it for fun. So that was great. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I hope you turned it into a math activity. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Yes. Yeah, that's a hard age. <laughs> <laughs> All that work gone within like two minutes. It looked like, a, it looked like, a, it looked like a Godzilla had stomped through a small village and all my plants that I've been growing were just trampled down all the peppers were smashed. <laughs> oh no. When, when did this happen? We obviously are not paying attention to our children. <laughs> oh no. It, now all kinds of things happen. It's crazy. I don't know. What I wanted to say too, is I, I personally believe that the outdoors is a like prescription for a lot of issues. Absolutely. It's, it's great to learn in, but it's also, it fixes a lot of other things. Like you were saying, like anxiety, depression, and yeah. she brought this up in another interview we did, but there's actually doctors prescribing outdoor time mm -hmm. to children as treatment yes. as a treatment. That, how insane is that? Like that's where we've gotten yeah. to where that's that big of an issue. And I think that's why curriculum like learning, like take, just taking what you're going to be doing every day anyway, taking it outdoors, such a big deal. You know, they, they say if you're un, under six, that kids should be outdoors. Like I can't remember if it was like four hours a day. Contrast that with what most kids in school get in it, 20 minutes. Yeah. And yeah. If, if their parents don't take them outside when they get home, that's all they're going to get is 20 minutes outdoors. And that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. And I know where we live, it gets really cold and snowy. When I was teaching first grade, I was often the only teacher out there with my class. The time goes down even more. Um, it wasn't even that, that bad. The kids were running around. I was the one cold standing there watching them. Um, but 
you know, I, it was like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine my the kids were so antsy by the time 9.30 or 10 o'clock rolled out around and we were going to go out that I couldn't imagine not going out. And, and the alternative was these videos that they would put up on the like smart board that were like videos. Yes. To yes. get them to move. And I, it just, it was like a music video. I just like, I couldn't, it was a poor substitute at best. <laughs> and I, I was like, we could, but we could just go outside. It's not that bad. But the, but the um, door is right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, so. one of the things when we spoke with, and we bring her up all the time because we really enjoyed this, her conversation. And it, yeah. it, it changed us a lot, but uh, Nikki from the Wildings Forest School in Australia, she brought a, up a good point was that it's never the kid that doesn't want to go outside or is uncomfortable. It's always the parent who's, who thinks it's too cold or the rain, it's raining. So no, we can't go outside because it's raining. I promise you, if you give your kid a rain jacket or some, some uh, snow pants, they'll be out the door in a heartbeat. But it's always the parents that really hold them back. And then they get used to that. Mm-hmm. And as they get older, that's how they look at it. Like, oh, it's raining out. We can't, we can't go do anything. We make it, we make it a point to say, I actually prefer it. Honestly, when it's like drizzling outside here, I'm ready to go because I know nobody's going to be there. Exactly. So we, and it's all about the gear, right? You get the right gear and you go out and you just, you still, you enjoy it and you still have fun. And the kids realize that unless it's lightning out, you're good to go. You can, you can, you can go out and still have a, have a good time. Yeah. And I actually say about the gear, it's like, um, common it was a big mistake that we made is my kid my oldest when he was in forest preschool had the best great gear right it was awesome and then and then forest preschool invited you to come for like a day right and we were freezing and we did because we didn't have any gear you know like I you know this is a long time ago right my journey and I was like (laughs) dude, I don't want to go out there. <laughs> I don't have snow pants, you know? I don't have like all these special things, right? But, you know, that's that's the downfall. If we don't have, we got to also have the gear, yes. especially when you have younger kids. Like now my kids are, can go outside without me, right? I mean, I, I obviously go out there too. Uh, not Just not all the time. When they're going out to play, I don't have to watch them anymore. And I also, let me just say, you can't even see our house from the road. There's no traffic, you know, whatever. We're not judging. This isn't, we're hey, not judging. You know, I know there's someone out there that'll be like, just let your kid go out there and play. Well, no, <laughs> if you we, saw where I lived, whatever. We, we do that all the time. <laughs> now, yeah, there's a lot it's, of it's safe. It's safe where we live. And, right. uh, you know, fenced and we have like an acre and they can, I, I mean, there's, that's a big part of it too, is not somebody, that, not having somebody just, Hovering. hovering over you all the time we we right. watch and we're not saying that we just disappear for an right. hours at a time but you get you get my point yeah no, I was <laughs> we're gonna get an email disclosure, disclosure there that you know yes I do let my kids run around outside but no if you saw where we lived you'd be like oh yeah. Well, if we get any, if we get any angry emails, we're just going to forward them to you. So. Just forward them to Wild Math, whatever, you know. But I, you know, now I have rain pants and all of these things, right? But I think that that's a common mistake, right? We're miserable because we're not outfitted. Outfitted, you know, we bought the kids the rain pants, but we didn't get us rain pants. They do make adult rain pants. They're not as quite as good, but um, 
you also need wool long underwear or, you know, whatever you're into. Um, we're big into wool here. Um, you know, you also <laughs> need a, your kids backpacks. You need a backpack. Like you need a water bottle. Otherwise you're going to be <laughs> miserable. Yes. If you you're know? not ready to go. Mm-hmm. Well, that was her mistake when we first started this. Like I've always been into the outdoors she would get really cold or wet or something. And she goes, well, I had, I had, um, you know, winter <laughs> pants on and I'm looking, I said, the gap doesn't count. You cannot, you cannot buy your winter gear from the gap. Okay. That's right? not real gear. Right. I know. A little bit of education here. We're going to take a step back about where gear okay. comes from. <laughs> well, I think so often, you know, you know, you focus on your kids and you, it's a bunch of money up front. Um, it is. Hopefully yeah. you have multiple kids because you can then multiple hand me down. Hand down. That's it's awesome when that happens. Yeah, you know, you know, it just seems like an outlay when you first kind of get into it. Like if you do a forest preschool or something, you know, there's this long list and you have to like get all these things and you know, you focus on your kid and then you, you're not you're not ready to go. No. But yeah. as you you know, it's all a process. It's all a process. It is. Step you're right. one, get your kid rain pants. Mm-hmm. Step two buy some for yourself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. You have to be prepared and comfortable or it will not work. <laughs> yeah. And any, anybody that's like getting into that in the outdoors and really has never done that, it please, you just don't do it overnight. You don't go spend $800 on gear right. and think you're going to go out there and, and know what to do. And, and like you said, it doesn't have to be you're walking out into the wilderness. It could be a public park down the road, mm-hmm. get a nice, a nice rain jacket and some boots and take take the kids out for an hour and and little by little the next thing you know you you've been outdoors for 10 hours that week yes and and everybody's happy yes yeah there's a cool challenge if you've heard of it the 1000 hours outside yeah Um, you've heard of that challenge absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah great i love it it's fun it's it's a lofty goal for sure but um, it is but yeah no it's fun so yeah i think i think goals like that are great even if you don't attain them, because it's, it's you, even if you got halfway there, it was probably much more than you were doing before. It's the mindset. It got me right. thinking about, you know, it was a couple of years ago when it started and like, how many hours a week am I spending outside? And how many hours are the kids spending outside? And, and what does that look like? If I multiply that out for the year, math problem. <laughs> That's right. Um, <laughs> right. Make the kid, if you have an older kid, make them figure that out. I do that all the time. And, uh, and it, it's like, how could I increase that? Or, oh, we didn't get a lot of hours in this week. You know, how could we make some up? Or, you know, in the seasonal differences, we live in a really super seasonal place. It can be harder in the winter for us to get out more for a longer length of time. I mean, we get out, but it's just, you know, it's not all day like it is in right. the summer or the fall or the spring. Well, talking about mindset, I was actually reading over the reviews on your website and one testimony actually stood out to me where the parent said she had this child who was miserable with math and they received your curriculum. And then she goes on to state how your curriculum quote is going to change the mindset of how math is perceived and taught. And I think that that is so true with everything that you have been saying and it, and what we know as math and what we think math is, it's a whole nother de-schooling process. So it is oh, yeah. that mindset of what math can be and how we can learn it. It's a different mindset. It's like that mindset we were saying where, you know, we kind of like focus on literacy really heavily as a society um, and that we can do math and that math isn't a workbook. 
that's not what math is. Mm-hmm. That's just a bunch of math problems, right. you know, and that's focusing on the, the performing that method, but it's not really what math is. That's not what mathematicians do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not how we use math in real life. We never sit down and do, you know, 30 multiplication problems just for fun. That's just not what we do. Well. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> so you figure out how many hours you're doing outside with multiplication. That's what you do with multiplication. Speak for um, yourself, Rachel. I do that all the time. <laughs> you know, Yeah. <laughs> I know you do. You're over there with your workbook. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it is. It, and it's hard because we all learned math that way. Yes. So we're deep pulling ourselves from that idea mm-hmm. and from those processes. And the only right way to add and subtract is to carry the one, you know, that is just one way. You don't have to do it that way. It's hard. It's hard in, you know, I still, I still carry the one for sure, mm-hmm. but um, my kids don't necessarily do it that way. You know, yeah. um, there's more than one way to do it. And uh, it's, it's okay to learn a new way. A lot of kids, people, parents get really stuck into teaching them. Well, I want to teach them the way I learned how to do it and they need to learn how to carry the one, but you don't have to do it that way, you know, and to be open to learning a new way. A lot of parents like freak out when they see the new ways in wild math or in their school district or in their workbook. And they just, automatically want to teach their kid the one way that they learned that's the way I learned and that's the best way but I really want people to like try the other ways because it really can it grows your brain for one thing to think about it in a new way Um, and it helps you understand what you're doing in a deeper way and it might just be your kid's favorite way to do it. Well, Rachel, um, do you have any like final words of encouragement or advice for any families maybe that are starting to homeschool or thinking about homeschooling or that are maybe uh, have kids that struggle with math? Um, well, I always say stick with the basics. Mm-hmm. Um, math and reading or math and writing is always my, what I always say. I always try to limit that to like an hour and then everything else is the icing on the top. So, and then start small. If you're interested in doing more math outside or general outside things, start small, do it once a week, add another day or, or devote an hour. We call our work time power hour. So you could call it power outdoor hour. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I just, you know, start small. The, the key with any of it is, and I learned this as a teacher, is to keep doing it. So um, it wasn't really how you're teaching it or what curriculum you're using. It's that you are doing it every day or every week um, and that you keep showing up and you keep, you keep practicing and doing it and you'll be amazed at where you'll be in a year from now. That's my Love best it. advice. Awesome. Hey, I have some really bad news. It looks like I forgot to hit the record button um, when we started this. Are you joking? I'm joking. I'm joking. So that would where, be bad. Where can, so bad. where can people where can people find you guys and your curriculum? So people can find me on my website, wildmathcurriculum.com, and on Instagram and Facebook at Wild Math Curriculum. Awesome. Well, that was a great conversation. <laughs> Terrible.
we like to joke. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> you, I don't. <laughs> we had to do that all over again. That would be bad. <laughs> We're gonna have to start from the beginning. Are you okay with that? Let's do it all over again. <laughs> Luckily, I wrote some notes down because <laughs> it wouldn't be as exciting because we'd be hearing it for the second time. <laughs> I know we'd all be like, "Well, here she goes again. We're gonna talk about." Come on, come on let's finish this. Let's do this. Right? <laughs> it would probably be shorter because we'd be like. And you would just be so disappointed at us and want to go away, I'm sure. So. Forget it. I got, my kids are coming back here. They had to evacuate so I could record. Yeah, oh, you have to do that too. Yeah. Yes. They're out hiking. Awesome. I'm a little jealous because it's really nice out here. I don't know. Oh, it Same is nice. Here. Yeah. We're, we are about to go and have a fire and cook some sausage from the farm down the road and have a good night. So yes. we want to let you go so you can do the same. So thank you for Sounds talking good. with us. It was awesome. Thanks for having me. It was so good talking with you guys. Yes, we loved meeting you. <laughs> it was great meeting you. All right. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Have a good night. Hi, everyone. First, we want to say thank you to Rachel for joining us today and taking her time to have a conversation with us. Secondly, we want to say thank you to all of you for coming back week after week to listen to our podcast. We hope you're enjoying it. If you are enjoying it, please be sure to share with family and friends. And finally, if you think Rachel and her wild math curriculum is as awesome as we do, please be sure to visit wildmathcurriculum.com or thehomeschoolprojectpodcast.com to find the link to purchase. And as always, let's light a fire they can't put out.